Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mobile Syrup's podcast, The Syrup Cast. My name is Shruti Shakar, and I am the telecom and tech reporter here. I have a very special guest all the way in Ottawa by phone call, Anya Kiridaglia, the editor of The Wire Report. And we're going to be talking about the election. Hi, Anya. Hi, Shruti. How are you? I am doing great. We are just a couple of days um, out of the election. We've been covering lots of interesting stuff, as have you, uh, and I'm really uh, excited to talk about it today. I am very excited as well. And if you guys have been living under a rock, which I really hope you haven't been, Canada is currently uh, going through a federal election, and the final day to vote is Monday, October 21st. So if you haven't done that or you're, you're planning to, I'm very happy. It's your democratic right if you're a Canadian citizen. So make sure you do that. But today's podcast is going to focus specifically on the telecom and tech issues that have um, somewhat come come about throughout the campaign. Um, All the parties, including the smaller parties, have mentioned some stuff, but we're going to focus more on the liberals, the conservatives, and the uh, New Democrat Party will, of course, talk about a little bit what the Green Party of Canada has said, as well as the Bloc Québécois, and um, kind of break down what some of the issues are and and some of the the topics that have been discussed. So, before we begin and kind of breaking down how things have been discussed or what they're what how the parties are going to be tackling some of these, let's let's go through some of the topics that have been discussed. So, I want to start off by uh, talking about cell phone and internet affordability. So um, we'll, we'll talk about the Liberals first. Uh, the Liberals have promised that if uh, re-elected um, incumbent Prime Minister Justin Trudeau would cut uh, cell phone bills by 25% uh, over the course of four years. So Anya, how, how does he plan on doing that? Well, um, the first step would actually be by just asking by asking telecom uh, <laughs> companies and by asking industry and seeing if they could come to, to some sort of an agreement. Uh, if that doesn't work, uh, there would be talk about opening up access to a mobile virtual, mobile virtual network operators. So that's companies who rent space on the infrastructure belonging to other telecom companies and changing the rules around that to make it easier for new entrants in the market. And if that doesn't work after two years, um, there's talk about extending the rules even further and giving the CRTC new tools. So there, there's a few different strategies there uh, to, to make that 25% drop happen. Yeah. And, and before we go into the other parties as well, just to let the listeners know, um, they're currently the CRTC is trying to figure out whether or not they should mandate mobile virtual network operators. Um, as you mentioned what they were, uh, there's a hearing that's going to be taking place in January of 2020. Um, and so that that conversation is still ongoing. And so uh, we're, we're trying to understand whether or not there is um, feasibility for MVNOs to exist in Canada and whether there's enough of a population uh, to to latch onto the idea of MVNOs. Um, let's talk about the um, 
the NDP, and the reason why I haven't gone to the conservatives is uh, you'll you'll understand why in a second. So uh, let's talk about the NDP. So so what has the NDP said right now? So the NDP has gone with this idea of a price cap Mm -hmm. in that they would want limits on how much companies can charge for wireless service. Mm -hmm. So the way that they envision this is that the CRTC would be in charge of setting up this price cap system, and they would determine what the price would be um, after consulting with stakeholders. So that includes the public and industry, consumer groups, et cetera. So then they would also want the CRTC to look at international comparisons, which is Always an interesting thing to bring up in Canada. Uh, but they would want the uh, CRTC to kind of look at how much people pay in other countries and then using all of those factors come up with maximum prices. Right. And that's kind of interesting because um, prices in other countries are incredibly different compared to Canada. And so, and that's partly because Canada has such a vast amount of land and pockets of people all over the place. So when you're trying to compare it with other countries, not only are you comparing apples to oranges, well, that's literally what you're doing, comparing apples to oranges. So it's a bit hard. um, And so that's always an interesting mix. Um, Let's talk about the conservatives. Wait, they haven't announced anything. They have not. Uh, They just released their platform Mm -hmm. um, late this past Friday, um, and it didn't contain anything about um, cell phone or internet affordability. Mm -hmm. So they've they've decided that this isn't an issue for them. Yeah, and that's that's quite interesting. Before we go into the other topics, let's just stay uh, on track with cell phone, cell phone and, and telecom affordability. I think that's kind of something I want to talk about a little bit, just looking at uh, foreign entrants and um, mandating uh, MBNOs and why the conservatives haven't really announced anything. Um, do, do you, first of all, do you think that it's possible to cut 25% over four years? I mean, I'm looking at it as a reporter as well, and I've kind of seen how the costs have been cut so far. Um, What are your thoughts on that? I think that it is absolutely possible with the qualification of when that 25% starts, mm-hmm. because prices have been falling in recent years, and we had um, you know increased competition in the market this summer mm-hmm. with these new no data overage plants. So, and even those dropped prices. Right. So, depending on when that 25% is pegged, and the numbers in the Liberal backgrounder were from uh, were from 2018, we might have already dropped a significant proportion of that 25%. Right, and and. I'm also kind of looking at it in terms of when 5G does end up coming into Canada, I feel like prices of things are going to get a lot more expensive as well. So I'm wondering if that kind of is one of the reasons why there's this idea of dropping prices even more because costs would get even higher once 5G comes in. Yeah, I mean, I think it's that I, I've been wondering, you know, people have asked me, why is telecom affordability an issue in this election when mm-hmm. it, you know, it wasn't an issue in the last one and hasn't really been an issue up until recently. And it's just that we are so dependent on our cell phones mm-hmm. to an extent where we weren't even four years ago that this is an increasingly important issue to Canadians. And with 5G, with increased connectivity, um, you know, making sure that Canadians can afford these services, I think is only going to become more important in the minds of voters. For sure. Um, let's talk about the NDP for a second. Um, talking about a price cap, one thing that I thought was kind of interesting when I, I remember going to the press conference um, that um, Mr. Jagmeet Singh had held in Toronto. uh, And he had actually, he didn't really detail how that price cap would look. I mean, granted, 
it means looking at stakeholders and looking at um, what the public wants and there will be a conversation around it. But I think that was a concern that some critics had when I was talking to them, which is that if you don't set a proper price cap, the carriers can kind of decide whatever they want to do. So they can essentially say, oh, uh, okay, well, if the price cap is going to be $50, then we're going to give you only this much amount of gigabytes or whatever it is, and this is the speed that you're going to get. Is that a concern that um, that could come up if there's a, such a thing as a price cap? I mean, you know, people have expressed lots of concerns about this idea of implementing price caps, which, I mean, would be a really unusual move given, you know, trends in Canadian telecom, mm -hmm. given trends in telecom regulation worldwide. I think for me, um, my main question would be how this would feasibly work in a way where the price caps would actually keep pace with the market. Mm -hmm. Because if you look at how long it takes the CRTC to set rates for something like wholesale internet access, you know, we are talking years. Mm -hmm. to determine the right rates. And then if the companies don't like it, there's an appeal process as yeah. is currently happening with wireline internet. Yeah. And that could also take years. So how do you make sure that these price caps actually reflect what's going on in the market? I think for me, that was my number one question. Yeah, that that's um, definitely a concern too, considering that I remember Mr. Singh had even said during the conference, the press conference, that he would make it happen right away, which I really don't see happening, considering you and I both know how long it takes for appeals to take place, for any decision to go through the CRTC. And it's not just the CRTC, right? It's the stakeholders, it's the carriers, mm -hmm. it's everyone. So um, it, it's kind of interesting that that, that he suggested that. I'm also very intrigued by this idea of um, matching prices with the Organization for Economic Cooperation and Development, so the OECD, OECD countries. Um, for those of you who don't know, the, the OECD is an intergovernmental organization with 36 member countries that stimulate economic progress and world trade. And so and Canada is one of those countries. And um, Singh actually had mentioned that a new price cap would kind of be based on the average in the OECD. What are your thoughts on that? I think I can feel the industry's blood pressure rising um, <laughs> at that suggestion. And the reason that I say that is um, they have long, long made the argument that OECD comparisons, and in particular, a yearly study that's commissioned by the government that compares prices across the OECD is irrelevant for a number of reasons, some of which you already mentioned. Um, you know, it's a, issues they point to what they say are issues with methodology. They say that there's geographical differences, that, um, you know, the quality of our networks is really good compared to other countries. So there's a number of arguments. Mm -hmm. The point being that, um, you know, the industry has long argued and commissioned its own reports kind of to disprove these international comparisons. And that's the reason I say that. And that's why I think that um, trying to get the CRTC to consider prices across the OECD would, um, that would sp spark a debate. I, I feel confident predicting that. <laughs> very confident. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think it would definitely be a very interesting conversation. And um, I think already people are having a lot of interesting conversations on Twitter and other social media platforms about this whole concept. So, yeah, it, it'd be very interesting if that is, if that is exactly what would happen. Um, I want to also talk about what the Greens have suggested. Um, again, you know, not as prominent because um, we're not one of the main federal parties that would be elected into the prime minister uh, role. But I mean, if that happens, that would be really amazing. Um, 
but the Greens have also suggested a price cap. Um, and so it's interesting how there's three parties that are talking about, uh, uh, sorry, not price cap, but uh, cell phone affordability, I apologize. Um, so it's interesting to see how three parties um, have suggested this idea of telecom affordability. And, and, you know, just going back to what you were saying, which is that this is an ever-growing concern that Canadians are facing. Um, is that is that really what it is or is it is it just like an easy promise to make or do you know what I'm trying to say like like mm -hmm. is it just something that that the, the leaders want to say because Canadians care about it so much or or do you think it's something that it's that that's actually something that they should be talking about and we should be talking about and it should be an election promise I mean, I, I certainly don't, you know, I, I'm a reporter, I cover this stuff, so I don't want to say, you know, what, what they should or shouldn't be doing or whether this is important or not. But I think that we have three parties that have identified um, that this is something a significant enough number of Canadians care about for them to make these promises. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Definitely. Um, I want to go on to another topic that has been come about on several occasions, uh, which is the idea of taxing big tech giants. Um, so your Facebooks, your Googles, your Netflix, um, and and as uh, Mr. Trudeau has mentioned, even Disney Plus, which is about to come into Canada uh, in November. Um, so let's just talk about what the platforms have have spoken about in terms of these um, the, this promise. Uh, so with the Liberals, what they have suggested is that they would tax the big tech giants, um, any company that has at least $1 billion in global revenues per year and $40 million in Canadian revenue would be taxed. Um, and again, like I mentioned, that would be your Googles, your Facebooks, um, and any company that has amassed 70% of Canadian advertising revenue, um, for example, in 2015, would get taxed. Um, so that that's pretty interesting. Um, it would be a 3% tax. Um, and Mr. Trudeau has suggested that this would bring in 2.5 billion Canadian dollars over four years. Um, Anya, what has the Conservatives said about their, uh, their idea of taxing big tech giants? So one thing that I have noticed kind of looking back at some of these election debates is that a lot of parties have made a lot of statements about taxing, you know, making web giants pay their fair share. That's everybody's talking point. And in these discussions, um, they have all, I think, repeatedly conflated taxing companies like Facebook and Google and Netflix. Mm -hmm. But if you look at what they are actually proposing, th that's not the case. Mm -hmm. So both the Liberals proposed 3% tax, and as far as my understanding goes, the Conservatives proposed 3% tax. Neither would actually cover Netflix. Right. And so, um, but just one one point, it's like 3% for the Conservatives, and then it's, it's Canadian or companies that are generating 50 million versus 40 million on the Liberal mm -hmm. side of things, right? So, but they're not clear in their wording is what you're trying to suggest. Yeah, and also, so just to clarify for, for all the listeners, the Liberals are proposing a 3% tax on revenue, but revenue specifically generated through the sale of online advertising mm -hmm. and user data, mm -hmm, which mm -hmm. is why obviously Netflix makes its money through subscriptions. Yeah. Uh, that would not apply to Netflix, but would to Facebook and Google. Yes. And then the Conservatives are proposing a 3% tax on revenues. Just overall, um, I've asked whether that means Canadian revenues. I'm waiting to hear back on that. Mm. But a 3% tax on revenues of, quote, social social media platforms, search engines, and online marketplaces. Mm -hmm. So I've also asked about this, but I don't see where streaming services 
like Netflix, subscription service, streaming services would fall into any of those three categories. So I'm wondering if that can come up as a problem or an issue post-election. So let's just, um, for for argument's sake, let's say that um, Mr. Sh- Mr. Andrew Scheer becomes um, Canada's next prime minister. Um, so, like, do you think he would base it off of what his platform is suggesting or what he's, like, how would that, how, I, I can see where that confusion comes in. Like, would the would the rules be on Netflix because that's what he's been touting this entire time during debates or during scrums or whatever it is uh, versus what's written in stone in his party platform or the promises that would be in his party platform? So, like, would that be something that, that would be concerning I mean, I think that there's definitely wiggle room that has been left there where he could just go ahead with this proposal as it's worded in the platform, or he could go ahead and include Netflix. And the reason that I keep harping on this is that this is a really significant issue, especially in Quebec. And if you'll notice, a lot of the, you know, when he first made this announcement in French, that he would be going ahead and uh, making you know, web drives pay their fair share. That was at a French-language appearance. He repeated again during the French-language debate. Mm-hmm. And that's because the attitude in Quebec towards the need to regulate Netflix and, you know, take those, t- take that tax revenue and, you know, use it for the production mm-hmm. of, of Quebec and Canadian, you know, TV and film is, is much, much stronger. Yes. So in Canada, just in, even the past few years, whereas this idea of, you know, taxing Netflix and, you know, promoting CanCon wasn't really an issue outside of maybe, you know, the media industry, media producers, et cetera. In Quebec, it was. Right. So it's a very, very different attitude. Exactly. And I think... And I think that if Andrew Scheer, you know, after implying there, you know, in these debates and in these appearances that Netflix was going to be included, and, you know, he did that repeatedly in response to, for example, questions about regulating Netflix, he would say, we will make web giants pay a fair share. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So if it turns out that, you know, Netflix would not be paying its fair share, and again, we, we don't know that that's the case, but if that is the way that it goes, I can see him facing quite a significant backlash in Quebec. Right. And and I, I'm assuming that would be kind of the same with Trudeau as well because he I mean as much as he said it um, during the French language debate I remember uh, you and I both were listening in on it Um, actually you were there (laughs) and I was wait were you there or were you watching it on TV I can't remember I was there for the you were you were there for the English one right but when they had the first French language debate I remember that they had actually uh, brought this topic up of the the idea of taxing big tech and um, I believe Trudeau had even mentioned it during that conversation where he said that he would tax Netflix, Disney, they should be paying their fair share. But nowhere in his platform does it specifically detail, you know, Netflix or there would be a Netflix tax. Mm-hmm. So actually, right before uh, we were scheduled to record this podcast, I went back and re-listened to that section of the Teva debate, okay. just because I was curious. I wanted to see if I remembered it uh, yeah. the same way. And he did. Um, um, Trudeau did say that. Yes. But he actually brought up his, uh, in response to this question about, you know, when they were talking about Netflix, he didn't mention the 3% tax on the, the no, corporate tax. I remember He's, that, yeah. Yeah, and he spoke about the liberal government would institute sales tax on companies like Disney and Facebook once the OECD comes to a consensus on what that tax should be. Yes, I remember him saying that as well, which is very interesting because he's never brought that up before. That was the first time that he ever mentioned that. 
Not quite specifically. That's something the government has kind of brought up in response to, you know, repeated questions. Well, why aren't you doing anything on this? And they've been saying we're waiting for the OECD to come mm-hmm. to an agreement so that every country is taxing these companies the same way. Mm-hmm. So I think he, you know, during that debate and in the platform, the liberals have now formalized that and, you know, we're committed to as soon as the OECD comes to that agreement, we will implement that. Right. Absolutely. What about the NDP? We haven't really um, talked about them much. Um, and, and partly because they haven't actually formally announced anything, or at least uh, if I miss something, maybe you can fill me in on it, and then I can go run and write a story about it. <laughs> but I don't, I don't think that that they've really formally announced anything. Um, but they have mentioned how Netflix, or not just Netflix, but just tech giants in general, need to be paying. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Their fair share. Any any thoughts on on the fact that the NDP hasn't really announced anything? So they haven't announced the same kind of new tax um, on on revenue or income um, as the liberals and the conservatives have. But they have kind of just it's been a, something they've they've long stood for. So that's probably why it's not coming up as a you know this as an issue in this campaign. But they have um, repeated their promise to expand sales tax. Mm-hmm. to companies like Netflix. Mm-hmm. Um, I, so th- th- that is their, uh, yeah, that's their promise. And I, I know that the Greens have also slightly mentioned something like this. Um, they wanted to look at different, I was kind of confused when she, when when the party leader, Elizabeth May, had mentioned this during a scrum um, she was saying how it would um, part of it might be a sales tax, or we might look at other ways of implementing this tax. So it wasn't really clear what what the Greens were suggesting, but um, so that that's kind of interesting, uh, an interesting point. Um, I, I want to talk about some of the other um, issues on telecom and tech as well, uh, specifically on cybersecurity and and privacy. Also, another very uh, big um, topic that has come up whenever talking about technology. Um, over the summer, we did have a few um, breaches, security breaches, uh, specifically with Desjardins, as well as um, the Capital One breach, where uh, people's private information was was revealed, um, SIN numbers were, were taken, um, credit card details, um, a bunch of hackings that took place. And so it really sprung about this conversation of how do we protect the privacy of individuals, um, and not just um, credit card details, but just personal information online um, and and security online. Um, And I know that all the parties sort of have have brought this up as well. Um, Anya, can you kind of talk a little bit about what the liberals have, have said about this, if they've said much? So the liberals in general, when it comes to both cybersecurity and privacy, have been pointing to their digital charter document that they put out a while ago. And that is essentially a set of principles um, on a number of digital things that that outline, you know, what the liberal government would like to see. And that includes safety and security. Um, You know, that includes um, people having the right to their own data. It includes a, a number of 
principles, if not maybe lots of specific policy proposals. Yeah, and I remember that it was um, the incumbent uh, innovation, science and economic development minister, Navdeep Baines, who actually introduced the digital charter. And um, there was some you know, interesting critic criticism about how there was no concrete action taking place in the digital charter. It was more so, like you mentioned, a guideline, a uh, full 10-point principle plan that would guide policymakers on the future legislation of digital platforms. So that's that's interesting. I mean, at least they have something um, that's laid out and it's there. Um, but it's interesting because Mr. Shear's platform, the, the Tories, they've actually they've laid out quite a bit when it comes to cybersecurity, um, which I thought was was pretty uh, interesting. Like they talk about safeguarding data and privacy for Canadians, requiring co companies to get consent to collect data. Um, they talk about uh, creating sensible regulation and rigorous standards. So that's uh, quite interesting. They want to call they, they're calling it the Canada Cyber Safe brand, uh, which would empower consumers to make educated choices on the devices that they purchase, as well as introducing um, ways to prevent data breaches from taking place. So I think there was a lot in Mr. Shear's platform, and I thought that was um, pretty interesting how Mr. Shear really emphasized the concept of cybersecurity. Any thoughts on that, Anya? Uh, yeah, no, um, I, I think I, I agree with your assessment. I think it's interesting. There's, you know, they want to set up a couple of expert committees, mm -hmm. um, including a cabinet a committee on cybersecurity and data privacy. There, there are quite, there are quite a few proposals on cybersecurity from the conservatives, um, especially compared to the liberals and the NDP. Yeah, I agree, and and I think. Um... <laughs> I mean, we can also talk about the Greens briefly. I remember you were tweeting about this um, because it was pretty uh, interesting what the, the Greens have suggested. Can you talk a little bit about the Greens? Uh, so one of the Greens proposals that uh, I think this is the one you're referring to because I thought it was quite unusual. It was very unusual. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's that they want to make sure that in order to set up a social media profile, your identity has to be verifiable. So the way that I understand it is that you could have an anonymous account, but Facebook, Twitter, or whatever would have to know your real identity. Yeah, and that's um, how they intend to do that. I don't really understand. Uh, aren't there some journalists who are quote-unquote unverified on Twitter at this current moment? Like, I'm not verified on Twitter. So does that mean that I won't be able to tweet? I don't know. Like... No, I, I think it's just that, you know, if we wanted to set up a, a secret account to tweet about, I don't know, our favorite reality shows or something, Twitter <laughs> would have to know that we're actually behind the account. Okay, fair enough. That makes sense. But that's still kind of, it, it's a very interesting concept, I feel, that the, the Greens are and, suggesting. And there's a lot of criticism. There's, there's a lot of criticism of it, too, of people who, you know, it might it might be dangerous for them um, to, you know, have to give up their, their identity, their, that, you know, this might affect vulnerable people disproportionately. So there's been quite a lot of criticism to this idea as well. Yeah, and, and so that's kind of, um, that's, that's intriguing. Um, uh, moving, uh, well, I guess the NDP haven't really said anything, but they've also, again, you know, said out loud, yes, we agree, privacy is important and it should be uh, done safely for Canadians should feel safe online. But they haven't really formally announced anything. At least I haven't seen anything. Have you? 
I think the only thing that I saw was that they would boost the power of the Office of the Privacy Commissioner to make and enforce orders. Um, but yes. I know that the liberals would also um, like to see the OBC powers boosted as well. Yes, I remembered, I remembered seeing that for sure. Uh, let's talk about um, one of my favorite topics, uh, rural broadband <laughs> services. <laughs> um, so, of course, the the only party that has that has brought anything up um, really is the conservatives. Um, again, but if we look back at the the liberals, the, they have really pushed hard on rural broadband services. They started the connectivity strategy uh, to bring uh, high speed internet services to 100% of Canadians by 2030. Uh, they've also um, created the connectivity strategy uh, that would bring uh, high-speed internet to 100% of Canadians uh, by 2030. Um, they, and they've also suggested where, various ways of how they would uh, fund these projects um, and acquire uh, money to be able to to bring Canadians connected to the internet. Um, let's talk about uh, Mr. Shear's platform, though, Anya, because I know that you had some thoughts on that. And uh, I'm, I'm curious to know what your, what your thoughts were on that. Can you uh, elaborate? I have lots of thoughts about both the NEC <laughs> and the conservative um, proposals and the lack of detail I will in in both of them okay so like like you outlined um, you know the liberals have this they outlined it first in the budget then, then in the you know in their connectivity strategy yep. they have a plan to connect a certain number of Canadians they have you know they've outlined the money that they would spend to get there so in response during this campaign um, you know the NDP has said, that they would like to see that timeline be faster. They want to, you know, bring internet to all Canadians without delay. Twenty thirty is far away. Mm-hmm. They have what they have not done is specified um, by when, yeah. how much faster, any detail on, um, you know, when that would, when they would like to see that happen. And they also haven't given any other detail about their uh, plans. So they've said that, you know, they would stick to what is in the connectivity strategy and they would have some extra funding. But they when I asked, you know, how much extra funding, that's also another another unanswered question. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the Conservatives have, and I am waiting um, to hear back on some of these questions, but so far um, I've heard even you know, even less from the Conservatives who mentioned rural broadband in their platforms, but in their platform. But um, you know, basic questions like, would the Conservatives stick to that liberal goal of 100% connectivity by mm-hmm. 2030? Mm-hmm. That hasn't been answered. Would a Conservative government increase or decrease funding for rural broadband? hasn't been increased mm-hmm. or sorry hasn't been answered mm-hmm. um, so I have quite uh, a number of questions about how the conservatives would actually um, go about um, in their with, with a rural broadband rollout um, one of the only specific thing that is in their platform is that they would want to you know they say they want funding programs to focus on backbone connections mm-hmm. uh, so I asked does that mean that you know, under a conservative government that, you know, last mile connection. So that's the, you know, that's the bit that goes directly to your home, whether that would not be eligible for funding anymore. And that has also not been answered. Um, So, yeah, when it comes to both the conservatives and NDP, I have lots of questions. A lot of unanswered questions, which is very um, interesting. And we'll get to that really quickly. But uh, again, NDP haven't really said anything, um, at least not from my knowledge, um, but they do feel like every Canadian should be connected to the internet. I've heard them say that before. Uh, They briefly mentioned it uh, during their uh, press conference on telecom affordability, but they mentioned that, you know, every Canadian should be connected to the internet and et cetera, but um, nothing really concrete has been mentioned there. 
I want to step away from the, the points because um, I know we wanted to talk about spectrum as well. Um, so we, we can talk about that really briefly, but I really want to ask the bigger question, which is why, why is it that the conservatives haven't really um, been answering much questions or many of the questions that, that you and I have been asking uh, more you than me, but you know, why haven't they been answering it? So maybe we can break down the spectrum point really quickly and then we can, we can answer that question and then um, uh, cap this podcast off with um, telling people that they should go vote. <laughs> so um, let's talk about spectrum really quickly. Um, Anya, what are your thoughts on what the what the leaders have said so far? So um, the NDP, as far as I know, I haven't seen any proposals to change uh, spectrum auction rules. Nope, um, now I the haven't. Liberals, as part of their yeah, yeah, <laughs> as part of their uh, telecom. You said go quickly. So the Liberals, um, you know, they, they actually want to have some interesting proposals regarding changing how Spectrum is awarded. So currently, it's, you know, whoever has the highest bid gets, you know, get, gets the Spectrum. Yeah. But they wouldn't want to change it so that um, the government awards Spectrum based on, quote, consumer choice, affordability, and broad access. Mm-hmm. And they would also implement Spectrum set-asides. So that would be a, quite a significant change to how auctions are generated. Mm-hmm. And it would also, I, I think is interesting, would lead to very likely uh, lower revenues from spectrum auctions mm-hmm. and also lower prices that telecom companies have to pay. So that is just many interesting issues there. <laughs> um, and then, uh, you know, when it comes to the conservatives, honestly, I don't understand some of the proposals. <laughs> oh, no. I have been covering uh, telecom for six years and I, you know, I'm kind of trying to interpret to interpret what um, what some of this stuff means. So again, I have asked, you know, as this recording, I haven't heard back. I very well may, may you know, get these answers. Um, but, but for now, so for example, you know, the conservatives uh, propose to, when it comes to spectrum auctions, set aside a portion of all spectrum auctions for rural Canada. Mm-hmm. So Trudy, maybe you know what that means, mm-hmm. but I, I'm left asking, does that mean they want to set aside a portion of auction revenues for rural broadband funding? Mm. Or are they just talking about redefining license areas, which is another thing that they propose? I mean, I, I don't know. I can't tell from, you know, that one, those few words that are in the platform. Listen, girl, I don't know either, man. <laughs> like, I wish I did, but I don't. That's a very good question. And I, I was not made clear in that platform, um, which is goes back to our question why hasn't the conservatives really answered the questions i mean i don't want to you know i can't speculate i think that that's up to them i would have to you know ask them and and wait to hear back <laughs> but um you know i they were the last to release their their platform um they released it's just this past friday yeah i don't know i mean maybe you know maybe they have bigger fish to fry uh when it comes to the election and these kinds of issues you know which to the two of us are always in the forefront maybe they're just too niche mm-hmm. um you know i i don't want to speculate on what the reasons behind that could mm-hmm. be um no. It could be a number of reasons. And, and, and like I said, they very well may end up getting back to us, right? So. Absolutely. And, and and at the end of the day, too, as you mentioned, this is such a niche topic. Um, the fact that it's even in the election is is pretty beyond 
beyond what I ever expected it to be. Like I didn't, I didn't think it was going to come up in a, in a, um, during a debate. I didn't think it was going to come up as federal promises. Did you? Did you think that that was going to happen? I mean, okay, s- sorry. We kind of did know because there was a lot of conversation happening before the elections. But let's let's say like two years ago, did you think that this was going to be like an election promise? Oh, definitely not. Um, Cell phone internet affordability has been something that, um, you know, has really only become a mainstream issue, an issue for for the government um, in the past couple of years. So, you know, I definitely would not have called it. I can tell you it was not even on the horizon for almost even people within the industry that are into these issues wouldn't have been on the horizon for them. I mean, telecom issues were not brought up. I was around for the last election, um, you know, weren't brought up at all beyond this whole Netflix tax question, which is also interesting in and of itself. (laughs) (laughs) Because, no, no, it it is very interesting because last time around, um, Stephen Harper's, you know, made it a big deal that the liberals and the NDP wanted to put in place a Netflix tax and isn't this a horrible thing and, you know, a conservative government would would never do this. Um, And that's actually part of the reason why the liberals weren't able to put it in place because they were left promising that they wouldn't for a number of years. So it's just, it is fascinating to see how the discussion in this debate is just completely different when it comes to, to that issue and how all of a sudden telecom affordability is something that, you know, companies are talking about and the discussion or the discussion isn't, should we tax web giants? It's mm-hmm. which ones and yeah. how, and how do we go about that? So that is, that's a huge change. Do you think that that's something that Canadians should be caring about? I mean, obviously our job isn't to like tell them what they should be caring about and what they shouldn't, but is this something that, that they, that is something that they would be paying attention to? Is that like, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I think that um, a lot of Canadians obviously already do care. I yeah. mean, think about how the number of people that have told you that, you know, they're, they're, self, they're paying much for their cell phone. Yeah, yeah. Think about, you know, the number of people you see uh, online or, or on Reddit talk, talk about this issue. Absolutely. So, so people do care. And then I would say, you know, I think that people should absolutely care. And I'm honestly really surprised and a little bit baffled that rural broad, just to bring it back to rural broadband for a second, that that hasn't been been a bigger issue. Because I would argue that, you know, if you look at it right now, um, the latest numbers we have, 16% of Canadians didn't have adequate access, so access to internet service that mm-hmm. meets basic service standards. And 63% of rural households didn't have adequate mm-hmm. internet service. Mm-hmm. So obviously, you know, that means that you can't really participate in the digital economy. There's lots of things you can't do if you don't have adequate internet service. And given that our um, electoral system more heavily weighs rural votes as compared to urban votes, I am just genuinely surprised that this hasn't been a bigger issue in this election. Right, and absolutely, because connectivity, internet connectivity is what helps people get, you know, be able to apply for jobs or be able to go on the internet and do whatever they need to do. Basic, it's basic services at this point, right? So um, I think that's kind of, yeah, I I would completely agree with you. I'm surprised that that hasn't really made a bigger um, topic or discussion in the conversation. But I guess we'll have to see what happens after the election to really know what what these promises are going to do and how they're going to be enacted and whether or not they're going to be enacted. But I just wanted to thank you so much for being on the podcast and breaking this down in such a much more eloquent way than I could ever do it. So thank you so much for taking the time and talking to us. Um, Anya, are there any last few words that you'd like to say before we say goodbye? 
I guess just that, you know, we can sit here and we can scrutinize all of these promises, but like you said, it, we have no idea what's going to happen on, mon- on Monday, and then whoever, you know, gets into power, we also have no idea whether they're going to enact any of these promises or whether they'll just be left with this election. Thanks. So, you know, we'll, we'll have to wait and we'll have to see, um, and we'll have to see what happens Monday, but I would also just encourage all the listeners to make their voice heard and, you know, go ahead and, and vote on Monday uh, for whichever party they think represents their interests. Absolutely. Absolutely. And Anya, how can uh, listeners find you uh, on social media and on the website? So our website is thewirereport.ca. You can also find me on Twitter at, uh, at Anya Kredeglia, which I realize is uh, <laughs> a very long handle. Probably easiest, um, you know, if you just Google or search for The Wire Report on Twitter. Um, my, you know, the link to my Twitter is right there in the bio, so it's probably easiest to find me that way. Absolutely. And also, I'll just add that all, we've been doing a lot of, we're normally behind a paywall, but all of our election coverage is available um, beyond the paywall for free to anybody. So if you'd like, um, you know, in-depth coverage, if you'd like a more in-depth look on any of these issues, feel free to check it out. Absolutely. And you can find me on Twitter at Shruti underscore Shakar. That's S-H-R-U-T-I underscore Shakar, S-H-E-K-A-R. And of course, all my articles can be read at mobilesyrup.com. Anya, thank you so much for being with us. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Shruti. Always a pleasure. All right. Bye, guys. Have a good one. Bye.